0: Well, good morning. good morning. It is a privilege to stand before you this morning and open God's Word with you. And uh, we're going to be in 1 John chapter 1 this morning. If you have your Bible, I encourage you to open to 1 John chapter 1. As you're turning there, um, I want to say thank you again to Pastor Todd for allowing me the privilege to stand in his pulpit. As you're turning to first John I just want to get your thoughts thinking a little bit about where John's going to head with this passage. And this morning as we do that, I, I want you to think for a moment of something that you thought of in your life that would be amazing. We just come off the Christmas season where oftentimes you anticipate, you know, grand events, family gatherings, maybe, maybe for some of you it's gifts that you're giving or getting. And I think at this time of year, anticipation is a part of our lives. And we anticipate things that are coming. And oftentimes when they come, we're, we're excited and we're thrilled at those moments Sometimes we may be a little disappointed. You know, I don't know if you've ever anticipated something so much that when it actually got there, you're like, oh, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. You know, it's kind of like cotton candy. For those of you who have ever eaten cotton candy, it looks amazing. You get excited. You're given this big thing of cotton candy. You put it in your mouth and it disappears. It just melts away and it's gone. So you eat more and more. And then eventually you get sick. So... Some things in life that we anticipate are satisfying, but many things in life that we strive for, that we long for, that we strive after, disappoint us, only to leave us empty in the end. John is writing this letter. Uh, He's writing it to the churches in the area, and I want to, before we read this, I want you to understand who he's writing it to and why. He's writing this passage of scripture to churches that had false teachers in them, false prophets that had risen up and were actually denying things that were true about Jesus Christ himself. What was happening in those churches? Well, first of all, they denied that Jesus Christ was the son of God. In the churches of the area, they were seeing this continually to the point where they said, not only is Jesus not the son of God, we're perfect men without sin. Really? Really? This was going on in the church. It was this, it was this unreal system. That how could the church so quickly become a part of false teaching? But it was happening. Not only did they do that, you would think, well, if they thought so highly of themselves that they were without sin, they must have been pretty pious people. Well, actually, quite the opposite is true. They actually then said that sin has no part of their life. So morality plummeted, and they became very immoral people. The leaders of the churches, immoral, claiming to be without sin. It sounds like they were living in a fantasy world. Sounds like leaders in our world today that live in a fantasy world. And you know, the truth is, it happened then, and it happened in the church. John wrote, and he wanted to proclaim to them who Jesus Christ was and where they needed to be as leaders in the church. For us today, this same truth can be there. Our desires for Jesus Christ can be that of John, the beloved disciple, and it can also come alive for us. Read with me 1 John chapter 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testified to it, and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Christ Jesus. We are writing these things to you, that our joy may be complete. As we look at this passage, uh, these first few verses, as we look at them together, John jumps right in to proclaiming who this Jesus is. He says, this Jesus that you say did not exist or was not the son of God. He says, I want you to know something about him. It was him which was from the beginning, from the beginning of Jesus' life. He was born in manger. We just came off of Christmas and we have these wonderful stories. And, and I am thankful that um, North Anvil Bible Church is a church that has pastors that take the word of God and preach it. They don't, use, they don't use Newsweek or Time magazine. or uh, Magazines don't exist anymore, I guess I'm getting Okay, they don't use whatever's on their internet or on their phone. They, they use the word of God. And, and that's important. And, and John starts right out by saying, that which was from the beginning. And he says, this gospel, this Jesus Christ, from the beginning of his life, from the time he was born in a manger, until he started his earthly ministry, died on the cross, rose again, that which, which from the beginning of his ministry is true. And he says it's so true. I want you to know something. He says look at what he says in here. He says we have heard him. We have seen him. We have looked upon him and touched him with our hands concerning the word of life. He's saying this Jesus that you're denying his existence or his sovereignty, that his his holiness before God. He says he is the son of God. I've seen him. I've walked with him. I've touched him. He is real. It's a reality that comes out. Now, I don't know about you, but, you know, many times as I, I, th- I find it interesting that, that people will talk about Jesus and they'll say, well, well who is Jesus? And they'll, they'll talk about Jesus as a babe in a manger. Well, who is Jesus? And they'll talk about Jesus as, as this man who died on the cross for our sins, which is true. And all those things are very important to us. Who is Jesus? He's my Savior. He's my Lord. He's my King. Do you know him? John knew Jesus. When, he was, when it was challenged, and he was challenged with, hey, who is this Jesus? He said, he's my Jesus. I've seen him. I've heard him. I've touched with him. I've walked with him. And why was this so important? Why was this so important for John, for people to know this? Because John had found something that these people hadn't. They were searching for satisfaction. They were, ser- satisfaction. They were looking for joy that would complete them. But they weren't finding it. They were making up stuff, they were coming up with their own ideas, and what ultimately happened was they were living empty lives. When John wrote this, we can see right here in these scriptures that his desire was people would understand who Jesus was so that he could transform their lives. The title of my message today is Keep Walking. And and the reason I chose that title is because I think it's important that we understand that there is a process for us that we go through when we know Jesus, when we know our king, and when we grow in him. And John's going to go through some of those steps here. In verses 1 through 4 that we just read, he says, I want you to know the king, this king Jesus. Look at verses 1 and 2 again. That which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. This life was made manifest. We have seen it, testified to it, and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and made manifest. Made manifest. I, I think of that word. It, it's, I, I went to the old thesaurus this week and said, what does that mean? What manifest? It's not a word we use all the time. You know, I, I can't tell you the last time I've used the word or ever. The word manifests in a conversation with someone. But it's revealed. It's made known. So if we walk with the king, if we understand who the king Jesus is, who this Lord, our Lord and Savior is, he's, he's going to be revealed to us. And we're going to know him. We need to settle in our minds who Jesus Christ is. So when you're asked the question, who is Jesus Christ? He was that babe that was born in a manger. Who lived on this earth who experienced life as we experienced life, who died on a cross, who paid for my sin so that I might know him and have eternal life. Wow, if that's Jesus, then how do I get to know him? John then will then tell us steps that we can take that will help us grow in knowing the king. So walk with the king so that you can know the king. Look at these verses again. As he goes through these verses, we see very clearly that there are some phrases that stand out to us. When he says, that was which from the beginning, the gospel beginning, the beginning of Jesus, it also speaks of Jesus' eternality. He was always here. He He goes on, look down, he says, he made manifest Jesus born in a manger. We've seen him. He was revealed to us. He lived on this earth. He goes on to say, we proclaim to you eternal life, Jesus through the cross. And Jesus made manifest to us that we may know him personally. I don't know if you've read this before, but I've read these verses before, and it talks about Jesus concerning the word of life. It describes him as the word of life. Now, when we think of words, we know that words are used to communicate with one another. It's how we talk to each other. It's how we, you know, get information from me, to you, this morning, are with words, and it's how you communicate with those in your lives, words. Jesus was the word of life, given from the Father to us. It was God's way of communicating his love, his plans and purposes for us. So he is defined as the word of life. For us, Jesus was God revealing his plans and purposes through his Son. That's important for us to understand that that all of Scripture. Really, from the beginning to the end, when we understand that God's plan for us was that we know him, he created Adam and Eve. And what does the Bible tell us? That he walked with them in the garden. You know, he walked with them, he spent time with them so that they might know the Father, that they might know him. Throughout scripture, we see God's plan to draw his people, those who would follow after him, back into his presence so that they might know him. What's the ultimate goal of our salvation? The ultimate plan and purpose is to restore us, to pay for sin so that we can know God. So we must deal with these things. We must understand who the word of life is. So in these first few verses here, the first four verses, we're seeing that John wanted us to know who Jesus Christ was so that when we walk with the king, we know the king. When we walk with the king, We know the king. This is my Jesus. This is who he is. We're clearly instructed um, and introduced in this passage on Jesus' impact to the world. Jesus himself um, proclaimed that his desire and the desire of the Father was that we know him. John's gospel, the same author that wrote 1 John, also was the author that wrote the gospel of John. And in his gospel, in chapter 17, we find a prayer that Jesus prayed before he was going to be crucified. Turn with me to John chapter 17, if you would, for a moment. These words have stood out to me for years, and they're very pointed words coming from John's gospel. And as Jesus prays, he spoke these words in verse 1. He lifted his eyes to heaven, and he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, That the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh. To give eternal life to to all whom you have given him. In verse 3. And this is eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That they may know you, the only true God. See... The plan and purpose all along when Jesus came to this earth and he was to die on that cross and he was to give his life for our sins wasn't just so God could say there, my love for my people has been shown through my son. That was true and that still is true, but it was also to restore us into a relationship that we would know the king. So walk with the king, spend time in his word, identify who Jesus is through his word, and then you'll know the king. That's my encouragement to you this morning is that coming to North Anvil Bible Church has been encouraging for me because week after week, the word of God is opened and truth is proclaimed. Um, I'm pretty particular about listening to the word of God being preached. And for me, I've heard good things here at this church. I'm not here to pat Pastor Todd on the back or anyone else here, but I'm here to say that it's important that we stay true to the word of God. And that's what John was setting straight in his letter in 1 John. He was writing to these churches. He goes, we need to set some things straight. This is who Jesus is. You need to know him, so walk with him so you can know him. Get in his word so that you can know him. In John's gospel, also in chapter 15, is that passage where John writes about abiding in Christ. He he talks about the vine and the branches where he says, apart from me, you can't know me. And in those verses, he says, I want you to abide in me. The whole theme of that is abiding in Christ. So the same author that wrote 1 John wrote John 17, wrote John 15. And he's saying, I want you to abide in Christ. I want you to know me. Spend time with me. You know, when you get married, the purpose of that marriage isn't that, okay, hey, this is a great marriage contract. Let's, I'll live in California, you live in... You, you know, I, that's not a marriage. The marriage, marriage is to, to know one another, to join together, and that your lives would meld and that your desires and purposes and plans would be joined together. And God says for the relationship between man and himself it is that they abide in him and spend time with him. I hope that is your desire in knowing the king. It's interesting because there's a purpose, the purpose, and there's a wonderful gift at the end of getting to know God as we know him more and more, as we open his word and discover the truth of who he is. That's called doctrine. That's called understanding who God is, his holiness, his grace, his mercy, and ultimately his love. He says, guess what? You find joy when you know me you find joy. In John's Gospel, chapter 15, he says, After you abide in me, you do that, and your joy will be complete. That your joy will be complete. Look at verse 4 again in 1 John. What does he tell us there at the end of that verse? He says, And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. You see, John had a theme in his heart and his life. He had experienced Jesus Christ, and he had experienced Joy that was satisfying. Do you? What are you looking for in life? Where does your satisfaction come in this life? Is it from the things that you have, the things that you do or experience? Is it the people that that are in your life? Or can you say that your joy is completed in Christ? Let's continue on. He writes in these first few verses, so as we know that when we walk with the king, we can know the king. But let's continue on in this passage. Read with me in verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. He's now shifting in this passage of Scripture to point out that sin must be identified. Sin must. Must be identified. See, in these churches that he was writing to, they were denying that sin existed in them. We, we, they have been enlightened. They would tell their their people in their churches. They would say, "No, we we now have been born of God ourselves." They would claim, and they would say that, "No, we have no sin. I haven't done anything wrong." People don't like to admit when they make mistakes. We call them mistakes, I call, them, I call it sin. When I sin, I, I, you know, the, the first, my first response is, do I really want to admit that I sin? Oftentimes, I, I don't want people to know that I sin. <laughs> I sin. Okay. I'll, we'll clear the table. <laughs> okay. <laughs> in case you were wondering, you sin too. <laughs> okay. Right here in his word, he tells us, if we try to say we have no sin, he says we deceive ourselves. What do you mean? You mean I can trick myself? I can, I can deceive myself? There, there's some... <laughs> you can convince yourself that what you're doing is okay. <laughs> you know, how many times have you heard someone say, that's just the way he is. <laughs> it's sin. <laughs> you know, how many times have you said, well, you know, you know that's, it's really not that bad. <laughs> it's sin. <laughs> John was coming and he was writing to people who were flat out, It wasn't a question whether they were saying, they were, they were taking money. That wasn't theirs. They they were being immoral with, with their intimate lives with other people. It was wrong. And they were leaders in the church. Now, in our modern world today, we have had, unfortunately, plenty of church leaders who have disappointed us with their lives of sin. But you know what? Our sin makes us just as guilty. But these men ...in church leadership needed to be held to a higher standard. And that's what John was doing. He was calling them out. He's saying you cannot lead God's church. You cannot lead a church and deny, first of all, that Christ is God's son. And then live a life of sin and say it's okay. That, that's wrong. There's times where, in our world, people will say that their favorite word is tolerance... Sin must be paid for. We see in our world today a philosophy and a mindset that that comes into our world and says, you can teach our children whatever you want, even if it's flat-out sin. It's happening in our schools. It's happening in our communities. There has been small spark being lit in our communities across the United States of America because there are men and women who say no more they say sin cannot continue to exist you see what happens in a world or in a country when sin is tolerated or in a church where sin is excused it will run rampant and sometimes to the point where you're like how do we get back control of what we've lost John wrote this gospel. He wrote the gospel, John, but he wrote this letter. And he was saying right in this letter that we need to understand some things that are true. First of all, Jesus Christ is God's son. I've seen him. I've touched him. He is real. So let's, let's not... That's not arguable anymore. We know who he is. Second of all, we sin. Myself, you do. And we need to deal with sin. Look what he tells us to do with sin. Back in these verses, he says in verse 5, This is the message we have heard from him, Jesus Christ, proclaimed to you, you messed up people, including us. God is light, and in God is no darkness at all. So guess what? They're saying you're claiming to be a son of God. You're claiming to be perfect, but you're walking in darkness. Darkness in God's word is another synonym for evil or sin. So anytime you read the word darkness in your Bible, you can understand that it is for evil or sin. So he says you cannot walk in darkness and claim to be walking with God. If you want to walk with the king, you need to say no to sin. If you say you're walking with the king, you need to say no to sin. He goes on to say, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. You see, we need to in our world, whether it's in our churches, in our schools, in our families, we need to tell people that sin is wrong. You can't say it's okay. You can't say it's the way they are. You can't say it's not that bad. You can't say, well, I don't want to cause trouble. Cause trouble, sin is sin. (laughs) Don't let it be in your family. Don't let it be in your church, in your schools. Don't let it be in your heart. You see, the heart is where it starts. People are like, "I'd love to see a revival in my country, in my world. I'd love to see things happen in my neighborhood and with my family. It starts with your heart. It starts with you looking at your heart. Are you walking with the king? Do you you claim that he is who he says he is? Then you know the king. Are you dealing with sin in your life? Do you look at yourself personally? It starts here. It starts when I look in that mirror and and I say, Tim, are you dealing with that sin? You know? Verse 7. But if we walk in the light, As he, Jesus, is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. There's a lot in this little verse here. Fellowship with one another. Walk in the light. We come to church. To be among other believers, to be encouraged, to hear the word of God, to be challenged, to to grow, and to build in one another. What's interesting, I find in the word in churches, is that we often come to church, and the word fellowship among believers is our common word we say for how we interact with one another in churches, right? Well, I'm not sure what comes to your mind when you hear the word fellowship in a church. Anybody have any thoughts? Food, right? (laughs) You you all knew it. (laughs) You just didn't want to admit it because it's New Year's Eve, and tomorrow you get on the scale and have to say, "Okay, things got to (laughs) change." But you know what? Food. Do you? Is our hall downstairs called Fellowship Hall? Almost every church calls it Fellowship Hall. You know, and what's usually attached to it? A kitchen. (laughs) Oh, Christians! (laughs) We need help. (laughs) There is fellowship that God has given us. There is a bond among believers. And and it goes much deeper than food and much more satisfying than food and has better effects than eating all that food. But boy, do we love food. (laughs) Let's look at the truth and not deny it this morning. (laughs) If you would, flip in your Bibles with me to another letter that was written by Paul, Colossians chapter 3. And let's look at some of this amazing insight. He briefly speaks about... The fellowship here, and I I really think it's important that we understand the fellowship of the saints. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. Bear with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you so also must you forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. Be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching, admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God here's here's a, some ingredients to fellowship of the saints so it's it's it does include pie i think and maybe some maybe a good cup of coffee but but fellowship he li- makes a list here believers what we are to be how we are to be encouraging one another and the benefit of gathering as the saints of god is that we will have compassionate hearts we will express kindness we will humble ourselves between one another. Humility needs to be practiced. We will be meek, thinking of ourselves not more than we should, and we need to be patient with one another. We need to bear with one another. Some of us can be difficult in the church. You've probably never met anyone like that, but there, are, there can be some challenging people. Christians aren't perfect, no matter what those church leaders thought they were. We need to forgive one another. Sometimes someone will hurt you in a church. Shocker. But it can happen. Forgive them. But above all, his theme in Colossians was... Believers, the fellowship of the saint, the the weaving thread through it all is love. Love that comes from the Father. That should be seen with us. So, I don't know about you, but when you think about shaking hands on a Sunday morning... Sometimes that might feel awkward to you. You might be like, I don't want to shake hands with somebody. They might ask me a question or want to, you know. Do you genuinely care about believers, the children of God? It's more than a handshake. It's more than going down and grabbing cookies or making sure that you have, you know, that cup of coffee. It's sitting down and sharing your heart with one another. So in that verse, he gives that brief moment where he says, sin interrupts fellowship. But if we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another. You see, it's important for us to have our hearts in check. Not only that we are walking with the king, but that we can also have fellowship with the saints. So that's important for us in this verse. So, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. Now, you might be thinking, what do I do with my sin? So so I'm struggling. Say, maybe I may have a struggle. Maybe it's, maybe it's I, I have this problem, and I... Covet my neighbor's house, my neighbor's truck, my neighbor's wife. What, what is it that you struggle with? Maybe I struggle with, with gossiping. As soon as they get juicy news, i got to report it to 15 people before I'm satisfied. <laughs> you know, what what is that issue of sin? Maybe it's greed. You know, the, the, the Bible doesn't... Doesn't have a short list of what sin is, but it, but he makes it very clear to us in Jesus. If you would read John's gospel, he writes many parables who, and and he speaks many truths to us about where a man's heart should be read Matthew chapter five and Matthew's gospel and find out that he says, you know, you may think this, but God thinks this, do you know what? God has a high standard for us. He expects us to live by that. You know? James write in his letter, in God's word, God's word is full of direction for us. Don't let your heart, don't it's not words only. Your life needs to live a certain way. Deal with sin. If you want to know the king, if you want to walk with the king, then you need to say no to sin. So first of all, we have read in these first few verses that walking with the king helps us to know the king. Walking with the king means we need to say no to sin. We cannot continue to excuse it in our lives. So as we walk with the king, we know the king. As we walk with the king, we say no to sin. But let's continue to look at this passage. What does he say to do with our sin? He tells us. Sorry, I got to get my Bible turned back to the right page. Back to 1 John. Verse 9. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess, if we admit our sin, first of all, don't deny it. You're tricking yourself. It's not okay. It is not. It is a big deal. Confess it to God. He knows it's there. It's not for God to find out. It's for you to admit it. God is faithful and just to forgive your sin. Not only does he forgive your sin... He doesn't just say it's okay. He says, my son shed his blood that your sin is cleansed from all unrighteousness. You see, when you deal with sin, you're walking with the king. If you don't deal with sin, you're walking in darkness. You can't walk in darkness and in light. This is a powerful scripture that a lot of people don't like to apply to their life. But I want to tell you right now, it changes you. And it's not a one-time event. (laughs) It's something I get to practice a lot in my life. (laughs) And I hope you are as well. Because you will be finding that your joy is complete. Now, he goes on to say in verse 10, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And his word is not in us. I think that's pretty clear. In chapter 2, he continues the whole pattern right down through here. And he kind of connects the whole, the whole chapter 1 where he's saying we need to claim who Christ is, understand who he is. We need to deal with sin. But then he says there's one, there's one final thing. And I think probably the chapter, if they would have let me pick where the chapter should have ended, it probably should have ended at chapter 2, verse Verse 6, that would have been a good spot, but they didn't ask me, so we're going to go with what they have here in your Bible and probably mine as well. But he goes on to say, and I want you to jump down with me, we're, going to, we're, we're not going to spend time going through every verse 1 through 6, but verses 2, chapter 1, verses Sorry, let me get straight here. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. He talks again about Christ was the payment for our sin, the propitiation. He said Christ was our substitute. He paid for our sin. That's clear. We know that. And he says, now there's a response for you. Once you accept this gospel message, once you accept this good news, once you accept the fact that God can transform your life because sin has been paid for and you are cleansed from all unrighteousness, verses 8 and 9, then he brings us. To verse 4 of chapter 2. Whoever says I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. Whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way which he walked. Obedience. Obedience is important to our Lord. He wants us to be faithful to him. We need to do what his word tells us to do. John opened this letter by saying, this Jesus, who was from the beginning, who we've seen, who we've heard, who we've known, we proclaim to you, he says. That's obedience, proclaiming Jesus to others. Do you, do you share Jesus in your homes? Okay, and I start there, and we often talk about evangelism. Let's talk about your home. <laughs> do, do you share what's going on in your homes What's going on in your heart with you and Jesus? That helps each other grow in your house. The house, the home, is a great place to begin discipling, encouraging, and challenging one another. Then you have neighbors. Then you have co workers, family, extended. You have strangers then, too, come in your life. But you know what? Proclaim who Jesus is. Are you doing that? It's important. We're asked to live a certain way, to live a holy life. We ought to walk in the way that we ought to walk. We ought to confess sin. That's being faithful to God. That's what he tells us. Know God. Study his word. Right in this book, he tells us right here, verses 1 in this letter. Verses 1 through 4 in chapter 1, he tells us, if you want to walk with the king, you need to know who the king is. Get in God's word, study it, know it. Know who God is. Don't believe some false teacher who's saying, oh, he really wasn't God's son. Don't believe some false teacher who says, his his death on the cross really wasn't that important. It is. Know the word. Walk with the king. Know the king. Know his word. The end of that chapter, you want to know the king, deal with sin. Sin. Sin will keep you from the king. You can't walk in darkness and in light. You want to walk with the king, then you need to say no to sin. Chapter 2, he jumps right in and says, you want to know the king? Be obedient. Listen to his word. Don't just hear what it says and don't do it. Don't, don't listen and then walk away and do something different. Obey God's word. Control our mouths. Control our hearts. Control our desires. Don't listen to the ways of the world. Listen to the truth and the principles of God's word and live them out. Be obedient to God's word. You want to walk with the king? Know the king. You want to walk with the king? Say no to sin. You want to walk with the king? Be obedient to his word. We didn't have the privilege of walking with Jesus Christ on this earth in a physical way like John did when he wrote this letter. He testified to that. But, but we still have an opportunity to walk with the king. It, it is very important. God has given us his word, which I believe God's word is alive and real. And it breathes life into us when we spend time in it and understand it. God tells us in his word that we are to treasure it, that we are to, we are to hold it near to us. And it is valuable to us because this is the communication that God has given us in this time and in this age for us to know God. It's one of the most powerful things we hold in our hands is his word. Do you want to know the king? Get in his word. Do you want to know the king? Don't be like our world and pretend sin doesn't exist. Deal with it. You want to know the king? Not only know the word, do what it says. Do what it says. Lead your wife, lead your children, lead your homes, lead your neighbors, and lead your church that they might walk with the king there have been two people in my life who have used that exact phrase over and over again, walk with the king. One was a camp director in upstate New York. And I got the privilege of working at this camp up there. And every morning after he would have devotions with the staff, he would look at us and he would tell us, walk with the king and run with the troops. Every morning he'd say that over and over again, walk with the king. To him, there was nothing more precious than knowing the king so that he reveals our sin and we can be obedient because if we're walking with the king those things are happening we would be productive and useful to the king and running with those kids that day and each one of you has also heard another man many times close this service walk with the king and be a blessing right Brian walk with the king that you may know him walk with the king say no to sin Why walk with the king, be obedient to his word. Why do we do this? The end of verse four tells us that our joy may be complete, that our joy may be complete. Because when you walk with the king, you have something that satisfies. When you say no to sin and you deal with sin in your life, your heart and your soul will be restored and be satisfied. And when you walk with the king and are obedient to it, you will find joy that is complete because you are existing with the king because you know him through his word. You've dealt with sin in your heart and you're obedient to him in his word. Walk with the king that you may know him and that your joy may be complete. Would you pray with me?